So after my uh, boy was down to his last couple chemo sessions and radiation, I mean, with for the last uh, couple years, his MRIs were coming back good and healthy, which I felt a lot comfortable, you know, going joining the, the service. So I swore in like July, um, and then three months later, September hit. And uh, our whole world had changed. Mine, mine changed. I mean, I still feel impacted by it, as I know many others do as well. I mean, I, I met some 9/11 victims over in, on my deployments, talking to a wife who lost a husband who was exposed to all that concrete dust, and I mean, it, it was a really fucked up day. And whether people have their theories, I don't give two shits theories. Fact is, they came here, they fucking did what they did, and I went overseas with fucking anger in my heart. That's what drove me, but everybody has their reasons. I didn't give two shits about the politics. In fact, even till this day, I give two shits about politics. But, so I went off to boot camp, and... It was like January of 2002. I went to boot camp. And uh, I remember my very first sights, like at the airport, watching a bunch of armed soldiers walking around with, you know, I had M16s at the time, but it was intimidating. Um, got in our plane, and I remember when we were taking off, you know, there's still a lot of commotion, and I mean, there's still a lot of you know, concerns, and 9-11 just recently happened four months beforehand, and here I am now on an airplane, and we're taking off at night, and I think it was like 9 o'clock, and we got up maybe, I don't know, a couple thousand feet just after taking off, and I shit you not, fucking engines, like, paused, like, damn near failed in mid-takeoff, and I swear to God, that plane felt like it dropped in mid-air for probably 50 feet it felt like it may have been like 10 feet in reality but either way it was enough to make my stomach feel like it went up to my throat and hearing everybody just fucking panic on the plane I'm like here we go (laughs) boot camp here we go and and I remember um I remember when uh we landed in Georgia I didn't know what I was thinking I just left you know my two kids my wife keeping my son in the back of my thoughts having him be my strength not to give up um i had so many things going through my head and not to mention i didn't know what to expect and i knew i was going to be there for about four to five months and so very first day it was fucking hell i I just remember showing up on the bus school bus and watching like a dozen fucking drill sergeants screaming up they're fucking, and the first thing I noticed was their brown hats, and it just, yeah, hit me, holy fuck, here I am, I'm, now I'm here, you know, and there's no turning back, <laughs> but I'll be honest, I, boot camp challenged me in more ways than none, I did things I never even thought I was capable of doing, I, I was put in so many different challenges, um, sleeping in the fucking rain, waking up in a soaking wet freaking sleeping bag, um, road marching 28 miles uh everything with weapons hand to hand fucking survival skills i mean it was 
like a whole new life, you know, opening before my own eyes. And I didn't mind it. I actually enjoyed boot camp, and that's not right. In fact, I got more pleasure out of watching other people fuck up and make an idiot of themselves because the people that stood out were the ones that got all the attention. I mean, it's kind of like common sense, in my opinion. But So I graduated boot camp. In fact, I had changed so much. I went into basic training weighing about 125 pounds. And I graduated weighing about 165. You know, it's like I hit puberty twice in my life. And it's not like it wasn't fucking fat. I mean, we didn't even, we weren't even allowed to have chocolate milk. The only thing we'd have was water, Gatorade, and we had about three minutes to eat meals. So you shoveled food quick, which I kind of tend to still have that problem today. But I remember during graduation, I walked past my mom and she didn't even recognize me. I did it on purpose, but when she first saw me, she couldn't believe who I became and the proudness and, you know, I mean, it was awesome. I mean, my, my oldest boy was down there. He saw me for graduation and, you know, that, that meant everything. My other boy was too young yet. He wouldn't have even known what the hell is going on. So, but I graduated, went home. Um, I remember when the drill sergeants gave us our final dismissal like we're dismissed done go leave get out of here everybody hesitated like is this for real like is this a trick you're gonna fucking smoke us in front of our family then they screamed at us get the fuck out of here and then we were scattered like cockroaches speaking of cockroaches holy shit does georgia have the worst but anyway so i graduated i uh, went home um ported back to my unit making the joking comment, I asked him about, you know, deployments, because, you know, I knew Afghanistan was just kicking off, and, you know, there was rumors about Iraq, and, you know, so I was like, I had a hard time believing we're not going to go anywhere, and just by joking, I asked, I'm like, we going to deploy? And then they told us, yeah, in six months, we're going to Kosovo. And I was like, Kosovo, what the fuck? I was like, okay, it's in the Balkans, but, you know, it was something that we were already in line to do it was a rotational thing so I went home knowing I was going to be deploying within a year overseas which made me think I need to get a house in a quick hurry and that's where I ended up moving out to where I am now um, so as uh, as I broke the news to my family and I didn't know what I was very informed about what's going on overseas at the time, and I didn't know what Kosovo was like. I didn't know what to expect. I knew it was a shithole, third-world country that, you know, it just came out of recent bombings, um, clashes. I mean, we weren't going somewhere friendly. I knew that. So I was, I was nervous and excited at the same time. And when we uh, finally came to the departure, it was hard. It was hard leaving my family. In fact, I hated it so much. It, it felt like there was a fucking black hole growing in my gut. Leaving my kids, leaving my wife. Everything that meant everything to me, I was leaving. And I knew I wouldn't see it again for over a year. And trying to digest that is not an easy thing. Um, world was chaos. I was, uh, you know, between leaving my family, my son, you know, who is uh, finally done with his treatments and finally recovering, trying to 
live a normal childhood life. I hated the idea of leaving. In fact, uh, I had a hard time accepting it. But I knew what I signed up for, and I knew I knew what I had to do. And you know, whether I wanted to go or not, it didn't matter because either way, I was going. So leaving my family was hard, and I left. And I uh, I remember the first day we well, it all actually started. Um, at the time I had my two boys and my wife was pregnant at the time with my third child, my daughter. And, uh, instead of going down south right away for a six month train up, we ended up going to Camp Ripley for four weeks to do a gunnery. And it was bullshit. Cause we're like, why the fuck are we doing an AT when we're going to active duty orders for six months and then going overseas so there, there's a lot of mixed emotions about it. It was pretty fucked up. We felt like we were getting screwed, which we were, but whatever. Get used to it. But so during my AT, midway through my four-week training, you know, two weeks in, we got a, a weekend pass to go home with our see our families. I mean, at this time, I think my wife was probably eight and a half months pregnant. I mean, she was ready to have a kid any moment which I was also pissed about because I was going to be home for my daughter's birth. So during my two-week leave, um, well, like a week before my leave, my kids and my wife were in an accident. She got rear-ended and pushed into a trailer pulling one of them bobcats. Either way, it fucked my car up. Luckily, none of them got hurt. But so a week later, then I had my leave, and then... uh. Like, at the very end of my leave, my, my wife went into labor while I was home. And I raced her to the hospital. She gave birth to our daughter. And uh, I called my full-time unit, and they granted me two extra days leave. That's it. I got to see my newborn daughter for two fucking days, and I had to go back to Ripley and do bullshit training, which I was pissed about. And everybody was like, it's fucked up. I'm like, yeah. Oh, shit family first yeah right so i saw my daughter for two days went back to ripley said my goodbyes to my kids her and uh finished my training and then we all reported to alexandria we loaded up on a greyhound our families were there to say goodbye we got escorted by the state patrol to the airport and then from there we went to camp shelby miss no we went to fort stewart georgia and we uh, trained there for six months, and it was the biggest shithole. That fucking place. I mean, we had black widows, brown recluses in our barracks. We got there. There was nowhere to put our clothes. We had to live over duffel bags. I mean, we're just pre- we're treated like complete shit. And and during that time, CNN was all over Fort Stewart because a lot of people were coming back from Afghanistan, and the Iraq War had just started. So there was a lot of people fucked up people coming back there out processing getting treated there's a lot of focus there and how uh you know the military was fucking abusing soldiers coming back from my from war not treating them or not attending their needs i mean it was a big stink and we were told don't even talk to the reporters and we get caught talking to them would be in a world of shit so we of course by fear stayed away from them um 
Yeah, so I, I remember the barracks I lived in while I was there. Right across the street was this teen camp, and you know, it was fucking disgruntled teens going through like, you know, court ordered fucking whatever. And I remember seeing them getting their asses kicked by the drill sergeants, and I, I thought it was comical. I mean, it was like watching HBO right across the street. I mean, watching them mouth off to a seven foot drill sergeant, you know, some little four foot five kid thinking he's all badass, just nothing but skin and bones, getting dropped and impaled by a drill sergeant. It's like, wow, these kids ain't really smart, but there again, look where they're at. So then uh, six months went by, we, we uh, got ready to fly from, well, then we were actually home. We actually flew out of there around January, February. Um, but we were actually able to go home for the week of Christmas. So I was able to see my daughter for another week, so another seven days and my kids. And I remember we greyhounded. Fucking took a greyhound from from Miss, from Georgia all the way to Minnesota. So all that did was give you time and excitement going home. But when you came back, it just gave you more depression because you're just thinking, fuck, now this is for real. Now I'm not seeing my kids or my wife or my family. Now I'm... The next time I see them is when I'm coming back from overseas. And that was really hard to digest. And I really, I, every time I talked to my family when I was down there, it made me more depressed hearing my kids' voices, hearing them say the word daddy, miss you, daddy, daddy. And, you know, and I was always worried about my son's health, you know, the MRIs, you know, they're coming back with a spot or, or whatever. I mean, I was always fucking worried about my oldest boy. And, uh, well, then... Then after we came back, we, you know, started getting prepared to fly out overseas. So we did our uh, final packing, bus loading, went to the airport, fucking took a military aircraft out of Georgia, and we had to do an emergency landing in New Jersey because one of the engines fucking went out, and that's, like, great. <laughs> Taking this plane over water for 18 hours and a fucking engine already failed, that's not good. Well, that got fixed. People, and we actually landed on an Air Force base, and everybody was looking at us like we're fucking like some... I mean, no one was like accustomed to seeing Army dudes walking around with fucking LBVs, you know, a little bearing vest or whatever, with fucking ammo pouches, and, you know, wearing their Kevlar, carrying their M16s. They're, they're like looking at us like, what the fuck? They thought we're like we're some kind of special forces, which I got a kick out of. But So then we flew out of New Jersey, and we landed in Hohenfeld, Germany. And that was pretty cool. Now it's finally overseas. And, well, actually, we stopped in Ireland first. So, I man, I got to see Ireland. Then we went to Germany. And we stayed in Germany for a month doing more training. It's like, fucking ants. All we do is train, train, train. Can't we just fucking deploy? So we, we stayed in Hohensfeld, Germany for a month. And they, they made us sleep in tents during February when it was fucking cold as shit. The heaters in our tents didn't work. I was wearing what was called a bear suit. It's like an inch and a half thick, long, freaking wool sweater, fucking jacket, and pants. That's how I slept that night, with that. That was the only way I could, otherwise I'd wake up freezing and shivering, and when you got a piss, it's even worse. And uh, I, re I remember the living conditions there, it just sucked ass so bad. I mean, they had heaters in our tents, but they never worked, and if they did work, they worked for like maybe an hour, and they'd break. I'd wake up, my shampoo would be frozen. I had this stuff called Perel or Perplut, some brown shit. Light, looked like oil, you know, it was light brown. 
I'd wake up in the morning and it would look like butter from being froze. So, I mean, the only good thing about that experience is I got to go to Regensburg in Germany for a weekend, and then I went to Munich for a weekend over there, and I fucking took all kinds of pictures. I had so many pictures from my, you know, Fort Stewart, um, Germany, Camp Ripley. I mean, I'm like thinking my kids and family are going to love seeing these. And then, uh, and then we left for Kosovo, and now I knew shit was real. Like, now I'm like, okay... We got our country in country briefings and, you know, just hearing the crime and the shit we're going into, human trafficking and illegal woodcutting was like the two most dangerous things in that country. And I was more concerned about human trafficking. But then when I heard illegal woodcutting, like, what the fuck? Really? That's a thing? Surprisingly, it is. So we got into Kosovo and I remember landing and we landed in some fucking airport on the top of a mountain that had just a tar runway and a shed that was it there was like nobody in there was like no tower and i remember when we were landing in these mountains i i i was watching the plane the the wings just bounce like a basketball i'm thinking holy fuck we're gonna crash i mean i felt like we're gonna crash i mean the plan the plane was going sideways at one time i was looking at a dude next to me or a few chairs to the side of me because it was a commercial airplane at this time from germany to there and it's like the guy was at a higher altitude than me. You know, the plane was canted. And we landed, and God, I was glad to fucking land. That was not that was not fun. I thought we were going to crash that plane for sure. I mean, the turbulence, you know, all the way from descending all the way to fucking finally stopping was, I mean, it was bad. And, well, anyway, I got off the plane, and my first thought was, holy fuck, it stinks. It smelled like shit. I mean, you can kind of see some buildings off from a distance, and they look like ruins, like half-blown-up buildings, and it was just a whole new world. And I was like, okay, this is home for seven months. That was really hard to digest, and um, we got our in-processing, whatever, done when we got in the country, checked in, so now everybody, now everybody was officially now overseas in a combat zone, and... I remember the first time I called my family at home and, you know, it's, uh, talked to my kids. My wife didn't really seem like she was concerned of, you know, which it kind of bothered me because it felt like she didn't really miss me and didn't really, I don't know, she wasn't worried about me and the place I was in. I I didn't really know how to take that. It was kind of a, a weird gut feeling and. And, you know, but maybe it was just overwhelming. I, I don't know, but it, it kind of bothered me. But anyway, so we did our first uh, left seat, right seat. And that was with the unit that was currently there. And we were going on a patrol with them. And I was seeing this country before my own eyes firsthand and looking at the people, the cars, the structures, the shit around me i mean we're in up armored humvees because that was the policy we, everybody had to be in up armors and you know it was it was weird you'd see like little kids like a brother and a sister walking down a, a fucking back like a like a highway type road like a county road here you know where cars are doing like 55 60 70 and you'd see like little girls and boys holding hands like bro- like siblings walking down the road by themselves and no parents and it's like what the fuck you know, and then we had an interpreter telling us a lot of these kids don't even have parents. It's like, 
okay, where are they going? And it was just, I don't know, it was fucking, it was sad. So, the the one thing that was probably more dangerous about that area, it wasn't really the people that were the threat, it was more or less the terrain. I mean, we were in such a mountainous environment that, you know, and we were there during spring when there was still a lot of snow around, and, you know, if if... If a fucking landmine we stepped on didn't kill us, the other threat was slipping off a fucking road down a mountain going like 200 feet, which I've had several fucking close calls like that. Because, I mean, one, we're driving an 18,000-pound up-armored Humvee that once start once it starts to slide, you're literally, you're in for the ride. You, you can't stop something like that from sliding, and I've... I've almost slid from the top of a hill that was climbing for five minutes at such a high incline to where I got to the very tip damn near and my wheels were just given and my four low wasn't doing anything anymore and I was just spinning tires and fishtailing and I couldn't get up to the fucking crest and all of a sudden the Humvee would start going backwards and next thing I know I'm fucking spinning out going the direction I just came for the last five minutes and sliding past from where I started almost to a fucking point where there was a cliff that had several hundred feet drop nothing there to let i mean it was literally we drove their fucking doors open on seat belted because if any time that home view was going to go over the edge of a road we we're jumping out i mean it it was fucking sketchy and i got pictures of that terrain and i <laughs> i had one time when i actually slid so bad my home V got caught up on a tree. That was the last thing before going down about a 400 foot drop to a fucking certain death. There's no way I would have survived that. And I, I remember I slid off this road and it was probably three in the morning. I couldn't even see the bottom of this fucking ravine until the next morning when the sun was starting to come up and realize how deep down it was. And I was like, fuck me. A little seven inch tree in diameter is what kept me from going down there. That was scary as fuck. But... So, I mean, and then, uh, I think the one most critical thing about the deployment was St. Patrick's Day, but I'll go over that next time. I'm out of time.